This sermon today is gonna have a combination of two things. The first is, I'm gonna kinda tell you, or end with at least, something that I believe wholeheartedly 100% is true and accurate and, and, and something that I would stake my life on. It doesn't mean that you have to believe me uh, and take it uh, to the bank like that. You can go and see it for yourself. And then another part of this message is something that I, I wanna propose to you. I wanna propose to you as, as, as maybe something to think about, uh, maybe something that will inspire us uh, kind of beyond where we're at in our journey of faith. It's not something that I'm, I'm setting as doctrine for our church, but something I think is really, really interesting to look at. It, it has to do with probably uh, one of, if not the most, but we have kind of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and, and maybe a close second as far as like the moments of our faith is found in Acts 2. It's when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon uh, all mankind. If you remember, Joel said, what did Joel say? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Joel prophesied, you know, hundreds of years, if not more, before this time that, that God was going to one day pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Leading up to this story in Acts 2, we have a lot of talk about whether it says the comforter or the promise of God to come or the spirit that would be poured out. There's all sorts of references to this moment we find in Acts 2. But I believe potentially, we're gonna get into this, I believe potentially that there might be a little bit of confusion regarding what those group of people in that upper room were waiting for. You can turn to your neighbor and say, ask him, what are you waiting for? Yeah, you can do that. I, I, uh, let's start in Acts chapter two. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues that the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, I want you to see that, that there's a group of people, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, name some of them, because obviously there was about 120 there. I'm gonna name some of them, but this is Jesus's closest associates, allies, disciples, and even family that are there in this room. And they're praying because somebody made them a promise, and they're waiting on something or maybe some things. I'll get to that. Um, if you, if you begin to read Acts chapter two, you're gonna find out that, that Peter goes on to kind of summarize what just happened in the upper room and he, and he refers back to, to Joel and he says, this is that, that the prophet Joel spoke about when he said he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. I'm gonna try to say this without getting tongue-tied, but in order for this, you have to have that. Come on. In order to have a this, you have to have a that. Peter says this, what happened right here, is that which was spoken. In order to have a this, you have to have a that. And if a that doesn't have a this, then the that isn't true. Come on. I don't think I can. I think that was a one-time thing. That's like a ma magician's trick. You only do it once. I said in order... <laughs> 
In order to have a this, you have to have a that. And if a that doesn't have a this, then the that isn't real. Or it's not that important, right? If something is spoken, and you'll see here in one of the scriptures I'm gonna read, Jesus talks about that everything that my father spoke will come to pass. He says that, he says, everything my father spoke will happen, it's going to happen. There isn't a single promise that doesn't have a this coming. Are you hearing me today? So every that in the Bible has to have a this. And if it hasn't happened yet, it's going to. <laughs> That's good news. There's nothing he said. It says his, his word will never return void. He'll never write a check that when they go to cash on the bank account that the promise of that check isn't in the account. Every check he's written, when we cash it in the bank account of heaven, it cashes. And what the value or the description or the value that's on that check, it, there's enough in the account to cover it every time. So every that has a this. Amen? It's not the title of the message, but that's okay. Um, let's, we're, gonna, we're gonna reverse chronologically kind of go through this. So we started with kind of the end point, which is the Holy Spirit gets poured out. We're gonna back up from Acts 2 to Acts chapter 1. Uh, starting in verse one. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke, probably. Some people think Paul, it's probably Luke. We're not sure, but there's enough in Luke that connects with what's written in Acts. And then in Acts, he refers back to what he wrote in Luke. Uh, probably Luke. You'll, you'll see why in a moment. Uh, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands for the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So let's think about the timeline, okay? Jesus dies. Three days later, he, so three, three days later, he rises from the dead. 40 days, he spends time with his disciples. And then there was a seven-day period after his ascension, that uh, they were waiting for the promise of God to be poured out upon them in the Holy Spirit. 50 days altogether, 3, 40, and 7. 50 days, that's why we refer back to that 50 days as the year of Jubilee, going back to the Old Testament. Is, it's a very significant number. But 50 days, that 50-day year of Jubilee, which the Catholics observe every 50 years, they open the big giant door of the Vatican or of St. Peter's Basilica. But it's a very prominent number here that we're seeing. 50 days, the Holy Spirit gets poured out after the death of Jesus. Three days in the grave, 40 days after his resurrection, seven days after his ascension. That's the timeline here. We're not talking about a huge amount of time. Sometimes I think we think that like Jesus ascends and then like, you know, like 300 years later or something, the Holy Spirit's poured out. It's only seven days later that we see this. So this is happening quickly. I, I wanna say this to you. I don't believe that God promises something and then makes you wait for 50 years for it to happen. Come on, I'm gonna throw this out there to you. If you've been waiting 50 years for something to happen, probably one of two things is going on. It was never promised, or it came and you missed it. Come on, 
Sometimes a promise will be fulfilled and it will come and we will miss it because we were expecting it to come a different way. I'll get there in a moment. You know what? I'm gonna get there right now. Why not, okay? I don't have that much time. I wanna say this to you. In the faith, especially in our Christian faith, we do a heck of a lot looking forward to the future and a heck of a lot looking up to heaven. But we do not do a lot of looking to what's happening right now. If I hear one more person talk about they can't wait till Israel is reunited, do I want that to happen like the end time says? Yeah. If I have one more person saying, you know, hopefully in my lifetime revival will come. So much about Christianity is about what will happen eventually if we just get it all right. Come on, or about what's gonna happen when we finally get to heaven. I wonder what's going on up in heaven. I wonder what grandma's feeling up in heaven. Well, that's wonderful, I miss grandma too. But for now, I'm here on the earth and I wanna make a difference while I'm here on the earth. And I actually believe that everything God wants to do, he's already done and he's just waiting on me to realize it. These guys were no different. Sometimes we look at the early church and we think they're the template for what we should be the church today. Do you realize the early church was the infant? I don't look at an infant and say, teach me your ways. <laughs> Sometimes we look at this and we think they made no mistakes, that everything they said or did is perfectly, you know, it's, it's, there's no errors in it. It's the inerrant, perfect pattern of God for the church. I'm sorry, if you read Paul, Paul multiple times uh, throughout his letters, I mean, he even says at one time, they ask him a question. He says, you know, I don't know if I have the answer for this, but under the canopy of the wisdom and grace of heaven, I'm gonna do my best to answer it, but, but I don't know. It's not, I'm not saying this is God's word. If we were as humble about what Paul wrote as Paul was about what Paul wrote, maybe we wouldn't get caught up in some things that have distracted us and wasted our time. All right, I'm gonna get there. Hold on. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, what, for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He says to them, very simply, he says, listen, um, I'm leaving on a jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again, right? He says, I'm leaving. No, no, right. He says, I'm leaving you guys don't depart from Jerusalem. Stick around because what's been promised and prophesied, what Peter says, what, what, what I'm talking about, this promise of the Father that a spirit would be poured out, that not just Joel, but Isaiah, so many of the prophets of the Old Testament talked about, it's getting ready to happen and it's going to happen soon. And so, so it says, and when, they, when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel or the kingdom to Israel? Does this sound familiar? Pastor Dan, are you against that theology? No, you're missing my point today. He says, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. He says, stop worrying about what's going to happen in the future. Stop trying to just, you know, put off what I've called you to do right now for the future. Like, okay, Lord, if you restore the kingdom uh, here to Israel, then, then, you know, then everything. No, he says, stop worrying about. It. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit 
comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He basically shuts down for a moment their obsession with end times uh, eschatology is what it's called, the theology of the end times. He says, stop wasting your time on trying to figure it out. He doesn't even say he knows. He says the father knows. He says, he doesn't even say he knows. He just says, stop wasting your time with this. Why? Because when my Holy Spirit is poured out really soon, in that moment, you'll have the anointing and the authority to go into every part of the earth and do exactly what I've called you to do. <laughs> that was really a sad clap, but that's okay. <laughs> when he had said these things, they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into the heavens as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. I want you to see this. And the two men in white robes, who we assume are angels, say, uh, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking into heaven? Y'all, do you hear me today? Do you hear what I'm going with this? Jesus is ascending into heaven. Earlier on, he tells his disciples, I have to go. Like, I have to go. Like, in order for you guys to actually get out there and do what you're called, I've got to leave. I've got to ascend. And so he's on his way up, and, and as he's, you know, the clouds open up and begin to envelop him, they're like looking at the last, you know, wisps of his robe as the clouds go underneath. And, and another version in Luke says that, they're, that they were worshiping him. And we, we oh, oh, this is gonna touch on it. I just want you to just understand I'm coming at this from a, 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 a not an anti-Jesus by any means. Every message I preach is about Jesus, but I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus, these white men, these robes, these angels who are declaring the word of the Lord, the word of heaven to these men are saying, why are you standing here looking up into the heavens, longing for him, worshiping him? You say, Pastor Dan, is that wrong? No, it's not wrong. But I wanna, I wanna show you this very quickly. It's, it's very easy, it's, 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 it's much easier to venerate some great person than it is to imitate. I'm gonna say this another way. If you don't know what venerate means, I don't either, but I know it works here, okay? It's much easier, okay, it's much easier to worship the body of Christ than it is to become the body of Christ. So, we, we love to do this, how great and how wonderful, and I believe all of heaven says thank you, but it doesn't get us off the hook for the rest of the story, which is that in seven days, the Holy Spirit's gonna be poured out, and the body of Christ is not just gonna be confined to the skin, the brown skin of a Galilean man. It's going to be every color and every creed across the face of the earth. The body of Christ is now going to multiply. Billions and billions of people are going to have the opportunity to become the body of Christ in that moment. You say, Pastor Dan, what's the biggest problem with the church, not just in America, but around the globe? Is it the lights and the smoke and the mirrors and, the, and all? No, everybody gets all upset about that kind of stuff. We like it here because it makes me look good, frankly, okay? 
all right? I wanted to be in a rock band as a kid. My dad said, no, I'm making up for it here, all right? Uh, no, it's not that. Oh, Pastor Dan, is it, the, is it the this or the that? Is it the big buildings? Is it the huge, you know, houses that some of these televangelists are building? No, whatever. We can debate about that all day long. What's the biggest problem with the church? The church is too busy doing this, and I wonder what's going to happen up there instead of going, what's happening right now? What has Christ done in my life right now? What authority and power do I have right now? Who can I touch and reach and impact right now? How can I become the body of Christ right now? We don't do a lot of the right now. By and large, I like to think our church is a very right now church, but we can always be better. And individually, I know every one of us can be better about thinking the right, about the right now and about just eventually, I hope one day, you know, all the, you know, all the things that we're worried about will cease. Listen, at the end of the day, and, and, and Lord help Pat Robertson. Bless him, Lord. But him saying that Vladimir Putin was compelled by God to invade Ukraine this past week because, quote-unquote, it's going to set the end times in motion. I don't want the end times to be set in motion. Let me tell you why. Because there are billions and billions of people who have yet to come to the knowledge of who Jesus is. I don't want, we need more time, and we need the church to wake up and realize that we need more time. I'm not trying to rush the end times. Come on. Come on. I'm not finding fault with him. I'm finding fault with something he said. If you're a fan of his, that's great. But that was a dumb statement, in my opinion, and can be, if he meant it in a different way, it can be easily taken out of context, and he should have known better, in my opinion. Uh, I want to say this to you right now. I am not waiting for the end times to come. Come on. Well, I'm in. I'm in. So, Lord, come back soon, because I'm in. Well, if we believe that's the way the gospel works, and I'm in, so who cares if he comes back now? It's not, I don't believe it's the message that we're seeing here today. I, I, I'm going to get to kind of this main part here, although that's, that's a good chunk of it there. <laughs> when he said these things, they were looking on, he was lifted up. He said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. I, this is the part I told you I'm not sure about, but I've been thinking pretty hard about it. The angel of the Lord says in Acts, in Luke, it's not mentioned this way. In Acts, it's mentioned this way, where the angel of the Lord says that he will return the same way you saw him leave. And so sometimes, I gotta, you have to be very careful. Some people say, Pastor Dan, do you take the Bible literal? Uh, I take the Bible too serious to take it always literal. Do you hear me today? Jesus spoke in parables. We have to understand that when he said, don't throw your seed into thorny or rocky soil, he wasn't actually talking about believing that all of us are farmers, right? We don't take that literally. We take that figuratively. We know what we're saying here. I, I think maybe, I'm just saying, I think either the interpretation from the writer or the translation here, I, I feel like, once again, I'm telling you, this is one of those things I'm not sure about. I think maybe this was taken the wrong way to where it actually left these believers waiting for their entire lifetime 
for Jesus to actually split the clouds and come back. And I believe its potential, it, just hear me out, that the potential is, is that these that gathered in the upper room, which I'm gonna tell you who they were in a moment, these that gathered in the upper room were waiting for two experiences to happen. And, and my proposal today to you, once again, I'm not setting the doctrine of this church, I'm not telling you this is absolutely true. I'm just telling you this is what I've been thinking about. My proposal to you today is maybe what they thought was going to be in this scenario, two experiences, actually was one and the same. Y'all didn't like that. That's okay. What is a ghost? It's the spirit. Somebody who has departed. The Holy Ghost. The spirit of the one who is holy. So think about this. If this is true, I'm not saying it is, but if this is true, the Holy Spirit shows up, comes like a mighty rushing wind. If you read the account in Luke, which I'm going to here in a moment, it says that tongues of fire were dancing across their head. Now, since the days of Joel, people were waiting on this to happen. They had no idea what it was going to look like. They had no idea what it was going to There wasn't a lot of description of what this was going to look like. But they know that seven days earlier, Jesus left this earth, and one of the last things he told us is, I'm getting ready to send a comforter. I'm getting ready to send the promise of God. I'm getting ready to send my spirit. The only thing we have, do you believe, Pastor, are you saying you don't believe Jesus is coming back? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is if you're waiting for Jesus to come back in order for us to be the church and for the kind of the completeness of who we are, we are wasting our time because the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of God and everything we need is here, and he's just waiting on us to embrace the fact that that we have the authority, the power, everything that we need to accomplish what he's called us to do here in the earth. We don't have to wait for the return of Jesus. So think about this. If I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, and there is, there was supposed to be during their lifetime or some lifetime, the return of Jesus in that moment or soon after, they probably left the upper room when the Spirit of God was poured out, disappointed. How do you know that? Because most of the early Christians believed that Jesus would split the clouds during their lifetime. Three generations later, when the book of John is written, he's trying to clean it up. Because the first generation was disappointed, the second generation was going, where is he? I thought he was coming back. Think about it. He, he was in the grave and came back from the grave. Surely he could come back from heaven. If you believed he could be resurrected from the grave, you would absolutely believe that him coming back. If he could come from death to life, surely he can come from heaven back to the earth. So they're waiting around for generations and maybe even still today for Jesus to split the clouds to fulfill this prophecy. What if, once again, I'm telling you, this is not something I'm saying, take it to the bank today. I'm saying, think about it. What if, all right, I'll give you some more evidence because you're not there with me, all right? You ready? We're gonna skip again, uh, skip, skip a little bit to John for a moment. What happens? Uh, a week earlier, they're in the upper room again. Jesus comes through the wall. 
And what does he say to them? This is before, quote unquote, the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts 2. It's before that, pre-Pentecost Sunday, right? What does he say to them? He said, he breathed and he said, receive ye the Spirit. I'm messing with you today, aren't I? He said, receive ye the Spirit. Now, I would have been like, um, are you saying that what you prophesied was going to happen is happening right now? I'm gonna take it a little bit further for you, all right? Martha, Mary, Lazarus, I preached about this a couple weeks ago, but a totally different spin. They're hanging out, right? And uh, I'm gonna read it to you, because this, this is good. And then it says this, says this, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again on the resurrection day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha says, I know eventually. You know I'm gonna giggle all the way home over this, right? He says, um, she goes, I know that eventually he'll be raised up. And Jesus says, no, no, what you're waiting for is right here in front of you. I am the resurrection and the life. I embody everything that you're waiting for, and it's here right in front of you. When he was there in front of the disciples in the upper room and, and friends, and he walks in and comes through the when he says, receive ye the spirit of God, and he breathes the spirit of God upon them. He's saying in that moment, I am both God, I am both man and I am spirit in this moment. And you can receive the spirit of God even before, quote unquote, the spirit of God is poured out upon all mankind. Here he says to them, what you're waiting for is already here. I'm right in front of you. I am the resurrection and life. You're not waiting for a day to come. It's going to happen right now. Martha goes, oh, I, I know, I get it. I believe in you, Lord. You are the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we do as believers? When God says, no, actually the time is right now. It was such a right on message what my uncle said about the season being right now. It's, he, he said, every time the Lord's like, they're like, Lord, you know, just one day, I just want to take the world for you. Just revival, just going to sweep the land maybe in my old age. And he's like, how about now? And you're like, I've got a very full schedule. <laughs> Lord, let's just let your resurrection power fall upon this place. And he's like, it is. You're like, well, we're not ready, right? <laughs> so this, she goes, and he says, I am the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I mean, this, this, no, I'm not asking that. Jesus is asking that, but I'll ask you it too. <laughs> That's the scripture. And then he says, do you believe this? And he says, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you're the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. I, I just, I can't get over this. I, 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 the more I read about this story, the more I realized, here, I'm gonna give it to you in Luke. And we'll wrap this up. Luke chapter 24, verse 36, same scenario. They're talking about these things. Jesus himself stood up among them, said to them, peace to you. They were startled and frightened this is when Jesus comes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, this is when Jesus comes uh, and, and shows up amongst his disciples that are walking on the road. Remember the story? Yeah. And he shows up in between them. Oh, guys, you gotta see this. He goes like this, he goes, 
He shows up, he goes, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a ghost. Some of your versions is gonna say they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, remember a ghost or a spirit is, is the spirit of a departed being. And he says to them, oh, no, 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 that's gonna come later. No. He goes, why are you troubled and why do you doubts arise in your heart? You see my hands and feet? That is, it is my, I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet while they were disbelieved for joy and were marveling. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Uh, Angie, this is how I know they weren't from Oniko because it wasn't fried, all right? Come on, y'all. Broiled fish. Yeah, and they didn't have any grits either. I'm like, you're gonna give Jesus broiled fish. My heavens, you hate him? What's going on here? And he took it and ate before them. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Remember, uh, this has to have that. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I'm sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Why I like Luke's version better is it's a little bit more detailed and descript than Acts. That's why I'm reading it. And then, then, then the ascension, in verse 50 says, and he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And then of course we know just a couple of days later, the Holy Spirit's poured out upon them. I wonder if they were waiting for another experience. There, if you continue to read on past the ascension of Jesus, you're going to see there's a lot of talk, a lot of discussion, a lot of writing, a lot of questions about, will it be today? Will it be next week? Will it be a month from now? Y'all, the spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead was poured out and dwelled not just amongst them, but in them. Their bodies were buried and raised with Christ. When Jesus left and the spirit, the promise came, we became the body of Christ. So we became the body of Christ. The same spirit of God that raised him from the dead dwells within me. I am in him, he is in me. Excuse my French, but what in the heck are we waiting on? A light from heaven? You gotta look at the situation in Ukraine. Um, I've, been, I've been obsessed with it. We prayed last week and we're gonna continue to pray and I can encourage you to continue to pray for what's going on there. It's probably the worst humanitarian crisis of our lifetimes. 1.4 million people have fled the country. There are babies and children that are dying from bombs. It is terrible, it is sick, it is absolutely insane. Um, it breaks my heart, 
but I also look at the way the Ukrainians really with not a ton of notice have banded together and they're like, you know what? I might not have no military training, but the time is now. They've recognized the season. I mean, they're taking their tractors and their cars and their vehicles and blocking roads. They're, they're, they're turning their, their factories that used to produce beer and taking the beer bottles that has a cuss word in regards to Putin on it, which I think is hilarious, and, and, and making Molotov cocktails out of them. They, they, in a week's time, have literally outfitted and retrofitted their factories, their production lines to do things in a, literally, how do you take a nation of 44 million people and in a week's time completely change its entire production line or economy of, of production in order to focus it now on fighting an enemy versus what they were doing before? 44 million people. Millions upon millions upon millions of people who have no military training who says, you know what? Just show me how to load this thing and shoot it. I'll defend my nation. They're, they're not waiting. Would they love for us to establish a no-fly zone? I'm sure. Would they love for some boots on the ground? I'm sure. Would they love some help from NATO or our country or surrounding countries? Absolutely. But they're not waiting for it. And I feel like, I've got to be real with you, I feel like we do a lot of waiting for the perfect moment. Come on. Amen. We wait for the perfect moment, and then it's like, I, I've, I've recognized this about myself. When faced with a big enough challenge, when, if, you would if I'm in like a really great, easy spot in life, and I'm going to end with this. If I'm in a really good, kind of nice, easy spot in life, and you say to me, if this, 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 and this happens all in one week to you, do you think you should handle, you could handle it? I'll be like, no, no way. Mm -mm. I just hole up somewhere and shut my phone off and say, everybody leave me alone, I can't handle it. But then that and more happens, and we have the capacity in that moment when faced with the challenge to actually step up. You, you, we've all been there. Well, you make it through a season, you go, how in the heck did I ever do that? I never thought I had the capability to, to make it through something like that, to come out on the other side and still be halfway, you know, have my wits about me. It's like in the moment we can do it, but oftentimes we're waiting to be pressed to the point where we have to do it versus realizing we have so much inside of us already impregnated in our spirits here that we have the ability to accomplish everything God's called us to do and we don't need to wait around. Well, we stand up, I'll end with that. I think there's enough there for you to chew on today and think about. I believe that the spirit of God poured out upon all flesh as Joel talked about, has happened, and we need to move it from up here and let it come down to here. Amen. Sink from just a scripture we read to actually becoming life inside of us. Let it become life. Let it become motivation. Let it become passion. Let it become how we decide going forward that we will live our lives. But we as the church cannot wait around for some end time thing to happen, to see the glory of God poured out the way I believe God wants to do it. He sent us out to all the ends of the earth. What are we waiting for? Because this is that.
and every this that he's spoken has a that. And I wanna put it to you this way. This, or you, is that. You were what Joel was talking about. This day, this moment, this year, is what Joel prophesied about. I'm not waiting for another generation to clean up some of these messes. I'm not waiting for another generation to fight the atrocities of the day, whether it's bigotry and racism, whatever it is that we face as a nation and as a world, I'm not waiting for another generation to come along. I'm gonna leave it to my kids' generation. This is that. We have that spirit, that authority, and that power inside of us. Amen. We should leave here today knowing that we're not waiting for something to come. And yes, we come here and we worship God. We spend our 40 minutes in worship and we worship him and we worship the body of Christ and we believe, but we have to realize that we are the body of Christ too. And we do this and we bring incense upon God and we pour out our heart to the heavens, but then we leave here and we go and do something in the now. That's what we're compelled to do. You hungry? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word today. We bless, Lord, what a great way to start this season of our church. Thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for every person that's been watching online or those that are here in person. Thank you for our team, Lord, who put everything together this morning. Um, God, for those that are in the nursery, um, those that have cooked outside and cleaned and gotten everything ready. We just thank you, Lord, for this message today. Let it inspire us. Let it get us thinking and let it activate us into the now of what you've called us to do, each and every one of us and corporately as a body in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. amen. Love you guys. Go that way if you will. Go check it out. Get a hamburger. Hang out. Talk. I'll be out there as soon as I get my stuff cleaned up here. Just shake your hand. I'd love to talk to you. Say hi. We'll see you there. <laughs>